0: Tribal trails, tribal trails. The Son of God he is near. He chose to walk with us. These tribal trails.
1: Hello, uh, good afternoon, uh, or morning, wherever you're at. Uh, we're in Vancouver, British Columbia, visiting with uh, Norman Hunt. So we're glad to have you here with us. So Norman, I guess you can first tell us about uh, uh, your heritage.
2: Well, I'm Cree. I'm from. Uh, I'm registered in the Mistwasis, but I was told I was born in Montreal Lake. Like my mom told me that she had gone out to get firewood, and this is in March, right, Saskatchewan. And like storms are happening, usually happen in March in uh, Saskatchewan, right? The, the blizzards and that. And she went out to get some firewood, and she got and she got went to labor with me. And uh, you know that's what she told me. And and uh, she she lay down under a pine tree, and uh, she started screaming, right? Like yelling. And uh, these two women, uh, they heard her uh, heard her yelling, so she came and helped. Uh, helped her deliver me. And one of them was the wife of a guy named Norman Bell, and the other wa- woman was the wife of a s- guy named Walter Henderson. Like, I met Norman Bell, like he's like they say in Cree, my Kwame, right? And uh, anyway, uh, that's where I got my name, Norman Walter, right? And because of these two women who helped deliver me in that winter, that winter just before a blizzard, eh? well, the blizzard was happening. You know, so I just about didn't make it into the world, right? Yeah. You know.
1: Well, that's pretty interesting.
2: So I'm I'm registered in uh, Mr. Watch's, uh my my mom's reserve, and I was born in mom, my dad's reserve. Some people have tried tell me that I was born in a Holy Family Hospital in Prince Albert, but that's a Catholic hospital, right? And I'm not Catholic, so you know, it's iffy, kind of kind of iffy there, right? I like the first story better. <laughs> you know?
1: Anyway, so you're brought up in uh...
2: Prince Albert, well, in a foster home. like uh, I started off in residential school. I was dragged out of uh, my mother's arms, and uh, when I was six years old, eh? and I still see my mother the way she looked in, uh, when I was six years old. She must have been in her thirties or something. You know, she is. Just... Yeah, I still see her that when I uh, was like it's because like. That's a trauma you can't overcome, right? Like it's being traumatized like that. You know, you, I remember what happened uh, that day. Like they came to pick me up. they were dragging kids into the school bus. And I'm in my mother's arms, right? And I'm just wondering, why are these people, you know, letting them steal their children, right? You know, because children didn't want to get on that bus. And this guy was hauling them on. He must have been in a, between 20 and 25 years old. You know, so, and uh, like I'm looking at them why, why, getting dragged on the bus, carried on the bus and and I'm looking at them, just like i you know, why are they doing this, and then all of a sudden, this guy standing in front of my mom, right, and uh he's he's reaching out for me and and I'm trying to hang on to my mom like hey, going what is this?" You know, like, I'm freaking out, you because know? <laughs> I'm being dragged away from my mom, right, being carried onto the bus, and, like, you don't forget the trauma like that, you know. And later on, when uh, we were on the bus, I kept trying to escape, kept trying to run away, and finally the bus driver shut the door and drove off. Eh? Like, the rest of the people are cheering outside because, you know, they stopped the other kids from, you know, They didn't drive away, right? Like gave them one more day with their parents at least, right?
1: So when did you uh, come out of uh, residential school?
2: Uh, I was nine years old, so that would be eighty sixty-six, I guess. Yeah.
1: So what happened when you went back?
2: Well, my mom uh, thought she could take care of us, and she took us uh, out of residential school and and, then... Tried to care for us, but, uh, you know, she was an alcoholic already, right? And uh, her man that, that she was living with at the time uh, was, uh, you know, alcoholic too, right? And she ended up getting sicker with her from her alcoholism, and they dragged us out of there and put us in one home after another for a, for a while. They're like in the, from when I was nine years old, right, to, I don't know, so I was still nine years old or just months but I was probably in about three or four homes before I was put into a, a home in Mr. Wallace's right? And, uh, like, the way I was treated by white people in foster homes, I was treated the same way by First Nation people in a foster home, right? Like, it was, didn't make any difference, so, like, my racism was... Uh, not that, you know, wasn't really there yet. It was until I, I ran away from that home. And then I started mingling with uh, my uh, peers, other First Nation people, that they started uh, talking to me about how they hate the white man, how they hate the cops, they hate everybody, right? And um, it grew on me, right? I wasn't really a racist because I was treated the same way by both, you know, in foster homes, like, totally abused by both of them and uh, so I didn't really uh, uh hate anybody at that time you know, I just uh, ran away from that foster home and then I was in uh, what do you call those boarding homes for a while and, and uh, until I was 16 and uh, the uh, like this family like adopted me right by like you know they just come live with us <laughs> I wouldn't live with them right where was that? That was in Prince Albert. And uh, they already had a lot of children, you know, but like, you know, we got along and I just stayed there till I was 19. And then I got, uh, <laughs> hit the road, right? You know, you're out of a, when you're age out of foster care, it's usually what they do, beat it.
1: So did you get uh, to go to school then?
2: Yeah, I was going to school. Uh, uh, I went as far as grade nine, and I kept dropping out until I I totally dropped out, and then I went to uh, um, what was it? The the GED. I took the test for GED, and uh, like I didn't have uh, that book to give you. Right, I didn't have that book, so I read a lot of books, (laughs) you know, and I ended up uh, passing my GED. Twelve.
1: So what did you do after that?
2: Well, I was in and out of jail like for, for a while there till I was 28, and then I started. Uh, I, I had a dream. I don't know if it was a dream or a vision, but up to the time I was 28, like from from one to from maybe one to nine, I kind of had a social belief in God, but from nine to 14, that was taken away by the different homes I was in and like the. I guess I kind of believed in residential school a little bit, but I didn't know what it was. You know, they used to give us a penny to drop into the offering. Like, they, like they give us, I tried to steal that penny, right, so I could buy three jawbreakers, <laughs> but <laughs> they took that away. They found out I just stole it, so they took it back. So, but I really didn't have a knowledge of God, right? I really didn't know who God was. And I remember when I was in that home, yeah, I saw a dead dog on a, in the a ditch, and uh, like it was just... I saw the maggots, and it smelled, but I didn't even notice that, right, because I was intent on seeing, trying to find something else, right? But, you know, I didn't see nothing, so I just thought, so that's how we live or die, right? We're just dying like that dead dog, you know? And before that, like, people were telling me that the spirit was around us, you know, and like, and also like, uh, it was always the devil will get you, the devil will make you pay if you do something wrong. It was never like, God is going to reward you for this, or God will give you something for this, right? It was always the devil will get you, you know, always, never, never, never about God, right? And, and like, it was like the spirit was always around outside of us, you know, that's, that's what I was taught up to the time I was 16, I think, and then when I was 16, I just totally gave up, you know, like, didn't bother believing in God anymore, right, there is no God, so I lived my life that way, not believing in God, and continued to go in and out of jail till I was about 28, and then when I was 28, I had this dream or a vision or something, and, uh, like, I was sleeping on the floor, and my brother was, had come in from the reserve for a bus test because he drove a bus on the reserve, and he had to renew his bus license, and he had to take a test for it. And so we were sleeping on the coach where I usually slept, and I slept on the floor, right? And, and uh, sometime in the morning, this is in Saskatchewan in the, in the summertime, right? And it's daylight already, about five, four or five in the morning. And I woke up and I looked around and I said, oh, my brother's still on the couch, right on. we can party some more. And then I looked around the room and the pictures that were on the wall, like were still there, right? And then I turned over to get up and there I am, I'm still on the floor, right? And I freaked out, what are you doing down there? Get, the, get up, you know, like I was trying to pull myself up, but my hands went through my, my uh, shirt and... Uh, I tried slapping myself to wake up and my hand just went through uh, through my face and I tried grabbing my arm. Come on, come on, wake up, you know, you're supposed to be with me, you know. And I was just terrified, right, and I started crying and, and then I woke up, right, because I gave up and I couldn't wake myself up and I, I gave up and then... Uh, I, w- I really woke up, right, and uh, I didn't sit up right away when my eyes opened and looking around, right, because of what I'd just seen, I was scared to sit up, right, but I did sit up and I looked around and, and like, I was awake, right, and uh, I got up and I wondered what happened, right, what was that, you know, and uh, I asked people about it and somebody said I was going to die soon, somebody said I had some kind of a vision, and somebody else said I had an out-of-body experience, right? And I didn't, I didn't understand that at that time, out-of-body, right? Because I didn't believe in God, and besides the, I was always taught the Spirit is around us. And it wasn't until uh, later that summer that I believed, I started to believe in God. Like before, like, so like before I didn't believe in Him, but when that happened, I started to believe in Him, right? And, but I didn't accept Jesus right away. I believed, in, I believed in God, but I didn't want to be a Christian, right? Because, like, you know, all the things that happened in residential school and all these things that happened in foster homes, like, all these religious people, right, trying to teach me about God.
1: Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief.
2: I was reading the Bible one day because I read it every day after that I believed in God. I started from uh, Genesis and you know how you read in the Bible, there's two, two sides to every page. I started reading right in the beginning, God created and then over here, you got this other this other side, right? You got to read one side and then come up the other side. And I went across and I was going like that. And, and then I stopped and something's wrong, you know. <laughs> Why is this, this is the sixth day and everything is good. And then over here he's talking about, uh, you know, something else about, uh, about creation stuff, right? And then I looked at it and, I realized that there's two 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 uh, stories, two, two, uh, two pages on one page, right? So I started reading like that, and I started with Genesis, and I went to uh, Matthew, like that's how I started reading the Bible. Cause so, and and somebody at first, somebody told me first, you should read a a book in the Bible, you know, the, the start reading a book in the Bible. So I looked in the Bible and I, I saw a Jude. It is the shortest book in one page. So I started reading Jude, and it talked about all the ungodliness. This and ungodly. You know, he's talking about all the ungodly things people were doing, and and everything like that. Right, and, and then I kept reading, and uh, like later on, it I went to uh, Genesis and Matthew, and I came to Ephesians and. Uh, Ephesians said uh, there was a part in Ephesians that said, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places." Eh? And that registered right because at that time, I was, there were so many people talking about witchcraft, Indian, Indian, Indian medicine, right? They're talking about that. And, oh, somebody would use Indian medicine on this person. And, oh, somebody used Indian medicine on this woman, so she would go with him, right? Stuff like that. Eh? And I wondered at that time if uh, somebody was using medicine on on me, right? Because of the way, it, you know, because like it was... Uh, and then that verse came, and, and that was when I realized that because of my drinking and my drug use and that, I was using it on myself, right, because that's basically, it's not really uh, like alcohol, you know, they call it spirits and stuff, but I know it's not that, right. that—it just that it it felt like I was using, like, just like uh, that spiritual wickedness in high places, right, was against me and I was uh, helping it with my alcohol and my drugs, right you know, my smoking and everything else that I did in my life. And, uh, I know, I kept reading, and uh, it wasn't until about six months later that I accepted Christ because of the verse in the uh, book of John where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that was, and then that was you know, kind of registered. And then further down in about 10 or 11, it says, uh, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and it was like we were walking in His light, right? But, you know, we rejected Him. And uh, and then that was when I realized that uh, Jesus is the Word, that He's the flesh, that He's the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Like, He walked with us in uh, Israel, right?
0: There was a man (coughs) His name was Jesus, He walked the shores of Galilee He helped the sick, He calmed the water He made the blinded eyes to see He raised the dead, He cleansed the leper And He has the power to set men free But most of all, He went to Calvary He bled and died for you and me I want to walk. walk like Jesus. I want to talk. talk like Jesus. I want to be, I wanna be just like my lord. just like my Lord. I want to work.
2: And labor. But man. Help my
0: neighbor. I want my, I want my life to spread His word. To spread his word. I want to sing to Him above. I want to tell, tell the whole world, world about, about His love. love. I want to walk. walk like Jesus. I want to talk. talk like Jesus. I want to be. be just like my Lord. I wanna walk. Walk I want to talk like Jesus I want to be Just like my Lord I want to have my fellow man Help my neighbor I want my life to spread his word I want to sing I want to sing To him about I want to tell the world about his love I want to walk like Jesus I want to talk like Jesus I want to be I want to be just like my Lord Walk Jesus talk like Jesus I want to be just like my Lord my
1: Lord How can we walk like Jesus It seems hard with all the negative things that we face in our families and on our reserves Satan is striving to keep us down. Norman shared of how Satan is deceiving us and looking for ways to take us away from God. Now, Mervyn Chichu will share with us how Satan has stripped us from the good things of God and give us some solutions.
3: It's really what it is. And it really uh, illustrates the ministry and the heart of Jesus Christ, what Jesus came to do for you and I here on this earth when He came. And some of the things that Jesus did, the Good Samaritan did to this person who was robbed, Jesus can do those very same things for us today. You know, we live in a hurting world, and I think we all know that. There are people everywhere who are wounded and hurting in a lot of our First Nations communities. Some have been robbed and, or hurt and wounded by parental failure. Maybe mom and dad were, weren't what they really should have been. They weren't the mom and dads that they, they should have been to meet all the needs in our lives. Instead, they've hurt us and wounded us. The residential school experience, which we've heard much about, and all the atrocities that went on there, has caused a lot of pain in our lives. Sexual abuse. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental abuse, spiritual abuse are things that people have experienced, many of us have experienced, that caused hurt and has wounded us in our lives. Many of us have physical problems, health problems, and we're hurting because of those things. Many of our children are in foster care today. They're not in our homes, they're not in our communities where they should be. We're hurting and they're hurting. There's poverty, abandonment, neglect, adoption, fatherlessness. I'll just read a number of these things. Family violence, divorce, racism, suicide. There's the issue of the missing and murdered indigenous woman also. That's causing a lot of hurt and heartache and pain in our lives. So we live in a suffering world where we're hurting we faced and experienced many things in our lives that haven't been pleasant, that have been very painful. I don't know what situation you find yourself in today. I don't know what you're suffering with. I don't know what you're hurting with today. But I want to tell you that Jesus come to, can come to where you are, in your, into your situation. He can come into your pain and your hurt and woundedness and make you whole. I remember a friend of mine telling me that he was hurt and wounded by some people in the church. And some of the members of that church often saw him during the week and would tell him, why don't you come to church? Why don't you come to church on Sunday? And he said he used to be just seething with anger inside and would say, why would I want to come to that church? And if Jesus really wants me, he said, then he'll come to where I was. There was a certain place in his community where he used to go as a hurting teenager. And you know what happened, folks? He said one day Jesus came to where he was on those rocks as a hurting person. And he invited Jesus Christ into his life. So wherever you find yourself, Jesus can come to where you are. We see stories all through the Old Testament of how Jesus came to even our first ancestors, our first parents, Adam and Eve, after they disobeyed God. They didn't go looking for God. But God came and looked for them in the cool of the evening, it says, and said, Adam, where are you? God came looking for him. Moses, in the Old Testament, The children of Israel were in bondage. God came looking for him to deliver his people out of bondage. We think of Samuel. We think of Isaiah, Daniel, and many others in the Bible. God came to where they were and called them to walk with him or to serve him or to do a work for them. And I want to tell you today that God can come to where you are. No matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how much you're hurting today, Jesus wants to come to where you are and change your life. That's kind of my own testimony too. I grew up in a Christian home. And early in my life, I was so angry and bitter because of some things that have happened in my life and kind of blamed God and I didn't really want God, I didn't want church. I was angry and bitter and I lived a very self-destructive life as a teenager. Then one day God came to where I was in my anger and my bitter and hurt. And he called me into himself and I said yes to him. I invited Jesus Christ into my life and he changed my life drastically.
2: Okay, maybe you think your life is messed up and that there's really no hope or like, like myself with the... A hopeless drug addict and uh, and uh, i didn't think there was no future for me and maybe you're like that and today i just urge you to uh come to god and accept christ as your savior because he's the only way out like just he's the only one that can help you through the, through this addiction and alcoholism and whatever pro- other problems you might have and uh, just uh you know be like me, you know. Read about that guy, those two guys on the cross of Jesus. You know, with all these religions in the world, you know, they tell you, you can do this, you can do that, you can, you know, get thousands of dollars. But thing is, that guy on the cross didn't do nothing like that. He was on the cross, he couldn't do nothing but accept Christ into his life. And that's the only way uh, I did. And I just ask you to do the same thing, you know come to Christ. He
0: who watches over you will never slumber nor sleep. He who watches over you will never slumber nor sleep. And oh my child lay your burdens down and lay them at my feet he who watches over you will never slumber nor sleep Over you will never slumber nor sleep. He who watches over you will never slumber nor sleep. Oh, my child, lay your lay them at my feet. He who watches over you will never slumber nor sleep. He who watches over Slumber nor sleep. He who watches over you will never slumber nor sleep. Oh, my child, lay your burdens down, lay them at feet. He who watches over you will never slumber.